Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. Good morning. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I won't bore you with the whole Matt Williamson, Matt Williamson dance-off, who's who, blah, 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 like last time. I'll just get straight, straight to it. What a brilliant picture, I took that. Um, I, yeah. Every now and again, whenever I do any sort of message, I have to try and incorporate my own uh, creativity into there. Um, that's not mine. Um, and uh, That's a good photo, though, to be fair. That's mine, yeah, that was. All right, okay. So, yeah, it's amazing to be back here. I do love it here, and uh, I'm amazed that you continue to invite me back. But, um, but, but thank you, Jesus, and thank you, Will. Um, I just want to start with a, a little... Well, question for you here, because this might just be me. I know I'm in a room of 150, 200 people here, but it might just be me. Uh, just bear with me. The question is this. Do you ever get the feeling when you read the Bible or when you uh, just see what God does in, in people's lives or, and you think, I wouldn't have done that, God. You know, I wouldn't have done it that way. I wouldn't have chosen that person to do that task. Is it just me or hands up if you think that sometimes you look at people and bib key biblical characters, not even like minor ones, key biblical characters, and you go, I wouldn't have chosen him or I wouldn't have chosen her. You can play Bible lucky dip if you really want to and just go actually look at any story and go mm, there are some significant needs and issues there that I probably wouldn't have chosen. If it was a job interview and I was doing the job interview I'd probably look at them and go maybe maybe this isn't for you. Peter, we'll go for an example Peter, right okay, given the opportunity of a leader's position but he's impulsive, he's got anger issues, he regularly challenges authority, and when the going gets tough, he pretends he doesn't know you. Uh, so if he turned up for a job interview in a leader's position, I'd probably go, ah, maybe not today. Um, David, ah, well, let's not go there. Moses, again, same. Paul, let's, uh, now Paul was a different example because, you know, Paul's gone this, this leadership position in, in, in the New Testament, post-Damascus uh, Road uh, kind of um, uh, experience that he'd had. Right, Pete, uh, Paul, now what the job for you is, you're going to lead this group of people over here. Um, uh, your job will be to lead them and guide them and support them, encourage them, all that sort of stuff. So maybe he's got the qualifications to do that job, but all of those people are going, he's just tried to hunt and kill us for the past few years. Please don't give him the job. So, I mean, like, so even if it's not, he's not qualified, it's a case of surely they're not going to be too happy about the fact that he's hunted and persecuted them. So you look at God's kind of choices and you go, well, that's a bit, it's unique. It's a unique way of looking at things. But the reason why I'm saying those things, is because when you look at it and you look at it from start to finish you look at it and you go God knows best and God often sees what we don't see okay he sees things uh, that, that in the natural we cannot get our heads around that's just the way he is and it's the nature of the kingdom of God it's an upside down kingdom the upside down grace-filled love-infused kingdom of God and we have to get used to that new reality to a lesser extent, I find myself in a position of being unqualified but chosen here today uh, because Will asked me to speak a few weeks ago. Thank you, Will. Uh, I jumped at the chance to come and share at this, this grace-filled, spirit-filled, growing, flourishing family gathering that you have every Sunday morning. Uh, being the impulsive soul that I am, uh, I went, my natural reaction, I'm like a Labrador puppy. I'll go, yes, yes, I'll do that. But I did actually say to you, didn't I? I said, just let me check I haven't double booked myself. Uh, which, and then I went and checked, came back and went, yes, I'd love to come. Then after that, realized that I had actually double booked myself and had to try and wriggle out of the other, the other thing, which is fine. It's fine. We're all sorted. Uh, that somebody is covering me. 
Um, if you want to know how impulsive I am, you want to just see how quickly I book a holiday. Uh, I once went to Pilkington's Deli for a lovely breakfast there. They do a fantastic um, sausage and egg balm um, and a cup of tea and a pot of tea. And I went and sat there. By the time that the tea had arrived and my sausage and egg balm had been warmed up in a microwave, um, I, I, by the time it had arrived on my day, I'd already booked flights and accommodation for a cycling trip to Mallorca. Um, that's how quickly I do it. I'm just like, my idea pops into my head, done. I've got it. I'm on. Okay? Um, but the reason why I say that is... It's strange for an outsider to come and kickstart a series. You know, I find myself unqualified in some ways because I'm like, I haven't been here for the past few weeks. I don't know where you're going. But actually, Will didn't know this, but there's a specific reason why this theme is actually personal to me. And I will explain that in a minute. But still unqualified, but chosen. Um, but why share all that? Because there are a number of themes, for example, that God chooses people that we probably wouldn't choose, that run throughout the Bible, not just in the New Testament, but from start to finish, from Genesis to Revelation, love the song choices. That was brilliant. I was, I was dancing over here for the Elijah one. That was amazing. Okay, but he is the same. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You said it yourself. Okay, Andy said it. Everlasting to everlasting, he doesn't change. And one of those themes that we look at through, through the Bible is grace. God's overwhelming goodness towards us is completely undeserved, unmerited favor. The reality is that Jesus got what we deserved and we get what he deserved. Eternal life with him, all because of grace. And God's grace is, is often in our minds reserved for the New Testament. And actually, it is a theme that runs throughout. The atoning sacrifice, the messianic prophecies, all of those things that run throughout. And the objectives for this series, and I'm not going to try and step on anybody else's toes that are going to be doing specific stories and stuff like that. I'm literally just going to introduce you and then run off into the sunset or cycle off into the sunset, as you'll see in a second. But my, my kind of objectives for today are to recognize that God's rescue plan for mankind was not prepared urgently for, uh, just, in case for, uh, just, just in time for the New Testament. It was present from Genesis, but also to help you grasp that this should change our view of the Old Testament and our relationship with Jesus. Secondly, we're going to learn to look for the foretelling of redemption that is a scarlet thread, no, scarlet thread, uh, that runs and is woven throughout the books of the Old Testament. My own personal objectives, because you've got to have your own personal objectives, are today to understand that God is proactive and not reactive. You cannot compare like the salvation plan with Brexit is how I'm going to explain it. It is not like that. And secondly, I want to whet your appetite for the Old Testament. Right then, apologies. We have gone a matter of minutes now. We've gone far too long without a scripture. Uh, what is the basis for all this chatter? So if you want to, if you want to turn in your Bibles, Will's already given this, message, uh, this, this, this word before, but it will come up on the screen now uh, to Luke 24, 25 to 27. As he explained, this is actually Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus, walking with the disciples. The disciples haven't had their eyes open. Jesus has just been resurrected, and now he's revealing himself. He's walking with them, and he's opening up their eyes to, the, to the, the reality of what has gone before. I love how brilliantly challenging and encouraging Jesus is at times with the disciples. Um, he says this. He says, he, that's Jesus, said to them, the disciples, how foolish you are and how slow to believe. That's how I speak to my year sevens at school. Um, um, no, it's not really. 
year eight. Um, yeah. How slow to believe that all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus is saying, I have been referred to in all but name throughout the Old Testament. But these are fragments of information. They are clues that we need to look for. He goes on in the next passage, in, in verse 44, he says, He, as Jesus, said to them, the disciples, he said, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. The whole of the Old Testament, he says, This is the resurrected Jesus who has lived and died and rose again. And he comes back and he starts walking and talking with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And what does he say? He says, Hey, guys. I've been here all along, not just for a few years. You can find me throughout history, but you're going to have to look carefully. Uh, as a wise man once said, I believe it was Mike Pilavachi or J. John or one of those brilliant speakers, he said that the Old Testament is Jesus concealed, the New Testament is Jesus revealed. So let's give some theological kind of background to this. Uh, God originally, in the olden days, he made a covenant, a contract with Israel. This was known as the old covenant, and this, but this failed due to uh, mankind's inability to keep their side of the deal. In other words, we kept stuffing up. But subsequently, God made a new covenant. He made a new deal, a new contract with man through Jesus, which could not fail, that would rescue us from sin and spiritual death. These sacred and holy covenants required blood to be shed as a critical element in fixing that contract. But the sacrificial blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross changed everything. And it is the scarlet thread that runs throughout the Bible. It's not just found in the, old, in, the, in the New Testament. There are shadows and outlines of the cross that can be found from Genesis onwards. Pause to blow nose. <laughs> in commentary to the, uh, to the message for those that aren't here today. <laughs> As you journey through this series on the scarlet thread, I pray you would develop an even greater hunger to find Jesus in the Old Testament, in the minutiae in the seemingly mundane and in places that you never imagined. I don't know if you're like me and you've done a Bible in a year and then you get to about mid-January when you're stuck in Leviticus. You kind of like, well, I'll just go for the New Testament passages and Psalms or Proverbs. But actually, I've done that about three times. I made it through once. But that's the reality. But actually, it's when I changed my mindset and realized that he was there all along and he is in it, that's what I need to be looking for. Now, an illustration. Well, uh, could you do me a favor and... Uh, bring uh, my my steed. You're gonna have to switch it. You, you can put it this way. Yeah, that's that's perfect. There we go. Yeah, you can do. Thanks. <laughs> Lift it up. It's actually quite light. So, yeah, yeah. Go on. It's just quite light in it. Is you all right? You're okay. I should have put like weights on it or something like that. I should have. Right. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Right. Okay. Um, you know, like people name their cars. Uh, I name my bike. This is Black Panther. Um, this is, uh, I actually genuinely do. Um, yeah, so th this is Black Panther, a, B a BMC, beautiful BMC, cross machine, um, CXA01. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's a cyclo cross bike that I have turned into a little bit of a road bike. Uh, that means that I've, because this is a cycling community, basically, let's be honest. Um, so I've slammed the stem a little bit. That's, that's ruined my back. That means that I've dropped it down a little bit and I'm hunched over like the hunchback of Notre Dame, which meant I've got lower back problems. Do you have any physios here? Um, and I've also put new tires on it, which is like slicker tires, which means that it doesn't like, kind of have rolling resistance as much. And 
It's got SRAM, SRAM rival, for all you keen, keen people. It's got a one-by system at the front, 44 tooth. Uh, I know this isn't a bike review, but I just like to say it. Um, but the reason why I'm sharing that is one of the most beautiful parts of this bike, sorry it's not clean, um, the weather's not helped this week, but one of the most beautiful parts of this bike is, is you can see that there's, there's wiring here, wiring at the front here. But in most bikes, you'll find that the wiring goes down here and it sticks on the outside and it's pinned to it, and then it goes down to the back where it goes to the gearing and the brakes. In my beautiful Black Panther, you find that most of that is actually hidden away. It's internal cabling, okay? Doesn't mean it's not there, but it is just hidden away slightly. You can roll it away now. Thanks very much. Thanks, Will. Well done, Will. Next time, I'll bring a heavy bike for him to lift. Um, right, okay. But the idea behind that is, like, external cabling, simpler, cheaper. Um, but actually, the reality is that it goes on the outside. It's much easier to engage with. It's much easier to access. If you were wanting to clean it, if you were wanting to uh, fix it, if there was a problem, the reality is that external cabling would be much simpler. But the reality is, and I'm kind of alluding to the fact that the scarlet thread, that thing is actually like the internal cabling on my bike. It's still there but you just have to dig down. It's just slightly harder to access. It's slightly harder to initially engage with, but it is there, and overall, it is much better. Okay? Just everyone give a round of applause to Black Panther. You don't have to. I mean, it would be well funny if you all clapped a bike, but, uh, but thank you very much for being mature enough to not do that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that church is weird. They clapped a bike today. Um, yeah. But that's what we can often do with the Old Testament. We just glance at it. If you glanced at my bike, you wouldn't see any cabling there. You would just glance at it and go, actually, it mustn't have any cables. It must be like Shimano DI2, which I would really like. But Shimano DI2, and it have like electric shifters where it doesn't need all of that. But no, actually, it has them. It's just under the surface. And that's what we can do. We just glance at the Old Testament. We don't always see the wonder that is within. I remember becoming a Christian about 11 and a half or whatever years ago. It all merges into one. When you get past 10 years, it's just like, yeah, it's decades now. Okay, 11 and a half years or whatever it was, when I became a follower of Jesus, I was searching and I was desperate to find out, right, what do I need to read now? What do I need to listen to now? Tell me, what do I go? Where do I focus my attention on? And for the most part, the advice that I was given was this. Stick to the New Testament. Get your head around grace first. Focus on the character and the person of Jesus first. But it was all centered around staying within the confines of the New Testament. And maybe Psalms, if you were lucky. Getting your head around grace and focusing on Jesus were sound bits of advice, but, when I, but what I pray that you will learn on this journey through this series is Jesus is not just a New Testament character. He's not just introduced into the book halfway through. So, two quick points before the big finish. Uh, first quick point is God is proactive, not reactive. Now, six weeks off over the summer sounds like an absolute dream. Working in a school, the holidays, the freedom... To everyone who doesn't work in education, it appears to be the epitome, the epitome of a blessed life. What I've realized, though, is that the majority of the 38 working weeks uh, in school a year are spent just trying to keep your head above water. How I choose to spend the remainder of the 14 weeks determines how the 14 weeks off um, makes a massive difference in how I'm positioned. This summer, I spent days, days and days and days and days working. I know you can feel my pain. Working just so I wouldn't be overwhelmed after about a week. 
even with that, even with the extra time, the weekend spent in Costa, yes, the, the Russells have seen me, I'm in there on a Sunday afternoon every week doing work. Um, it, even with all of that, I still spend a worryingly disproportionate amount of my time on the back foot being reactive. And for so many of us, that's our reality. And often we slip into the mindset of thinking that that's how God is too. On a personal level, it's like we feel like he is surprised by our mistakes and has to reshape things, reshape the landscape of our life whenever we stuff up. It's like he has to have an emergency planning meeting with the Trinity going, oh no, what he's done it again. What do we do now? Where do we go with him? It's not like that. In a global level, on a global level, it's like we feel like that the salvation plan was hatched in the long gap between the Old Testament and New Testament. It's not the case. The salvation plan, the rescue mission, the story of redemption is not like the Brexit agreement. We don't have the Holy Trinity sat in a Bruxellian boardroom throwing around ideas of how to sort out a big mess created by humans. Moses and the prophets wrote of the coming Messiah. The scarlet thread runs throughout. The Old Testament is not a tangle of Jewish writings, but it is a tapestry of grace with a pattern to be discovered and a common scarlet thread of atoning blood runs throughout it. It says in 1 John 4.10, one of my favorite verses, it's in my top 100, uh, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved, un and sent, uh, loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That wasn't a last minute hatched plan. God's plan was in place all along. It didn't start with us. Secondly, I want to whet your appetite. I pray that this series would whet your appetite um, for the Old Testament. I, I really, this is in my top 50 verses. Uh, it is the glory of God, Proverbs 25, 2. I've got a, a little, another one of my pictures up on the screen in a second. There we go. You can't read it, sorry. I, I tried to do it in red, but then I realized that actually from the back you probably can't read that. So yeah, I'll read it out to you. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. Now, most people love an adventure. The thrill, the excitement, the possible anxiety, the anticipation. What am I going to find? What am I going to see? Now, what if we looked at the Old Testament in that way? When we actually open up the Old Testament. See, the best adventures are usually when we journey with someone. The shared excitement, the new experiences, the conversations that it starts, the memories it creates. What if we journeyed with Jesus to find out, like the, like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, have him opening up our eyes to the wonders of what has gone before, to see where he was all along. I did a little bit of digging yesterday. I looked at my Bible app and I looked at all those highlighted verses. And, and I thought, you know what, it'd be interesting to see which, of the, you know, which were Old Testament and which were New and compare how many I'd done, whether I'd focused on one or the other. I actually found, surprisingly, that actually a lot of the verses that I'd highlighted that had really jumped out at me were actually more, I was probably more in favor of Old Testament verses going. And I was surprised at that. And when I looked at each of those verses, I actually found that a lot of the verses, I could tell you exactly where I was when I got that revelation. I remember once, the mo one of the most powerful moments, powerful encounters that I ever had with God, where I, I was personally struggling. I was feeling tired, uh, low. I was feeling, I was just in a bad place at that time. And I was really crying out to God going, I need to do what it says in a Matthew, Matthew 11, where it says about, come to me all who are weary, heavy laden, I will give you rest. In the message version, it talks about, see, come away with me. 
get away with me and I will show you how to take a real rest. And I did that and I went, God, I need to do this for my own sanity now, for my relationship with you. I need to do it now. And I went away to, to Harrogate just for a couple of days and just went, God, I'm yours. Do what you need to do. I had a lovely pizza express. Um, sorry, I can remember that. I can always remember what food I was eating when I was doing it. Um, and the next morning, after giving God that evening and giving God that time and just reading and writing, I remember waking up the next morning and having one of these, one of the Old Testament verses just opened up before me like I'd never had before. I can tell you where I was when I had a lot of those experiences. Now, my prayer is that you would all embark on this fresh adventure and journey with Jesus through passages and places never experienced before. That you would have your eyes open like the disciples to see this scarlet thread that runs throughout. Now, it is the glory of kings, of royalty, of which we are, to search out things hidden for us. Now, I love that. Somebody said once, they said about God hides stuff for us, not from us. That's a mindset shift. It's like an Easter egg hunt. You don't put, you give your kids an e in an Easter egg hunt. You don't hide stuff and go, I'm going to dig this about 14 feet down. He is never finding that. And then you go, yes, I won. No, you don't do that. You don't. You actually hide it just out of sight. So we go, come on, you're just going to have to do a little bit of digging. And I'll actually help you find it if you really want to. Because that's what the Father's heart is. He's like, come with me, walk with me, and I will tell you. And I will open up your eyes to the realities of what it's like. Why does he do that? Why does he hide stuff for us, not from us? It's so we would engage in the privilege and the pleasure of intimacy with the Father to find the secrets and the mysteries of God. Mark 4.11 says, you are permitted. You have permission to understand the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. You have permission, but sometimes we aren't giving it our time and our attention. Now, I spoke at the start and said that Will had asked me to speak today, and I was thrilled, and I jumped at the chance. Obviously, it's always a pleasure coming here, but when he shared that we were, you were embarking, we, family, extended family, uh, we were embarking on a, on a journey uh, about the scarlet thread, I, I, I doubly, doubly easy to say yes. Because one of my most powerful encounters with God actually came when I was at a conference in London a few years ago. And the theme for the conference was the scarlet thread. And... Um, I'm just going to bring this whole thing to a conclusion. Now, one of the things I find diff most difficult when speaking is I find it really difficult to, like, sum up and then, you know, really, really sensitively hand over to the worship team. You know, like that kind of seamless transition from one to another. But actually, when I've been kind of, like, preparing this, every time I've gone through this message, I've got to this last bit, this last kind of set of words that I've put on a page, and I just have to pause and see where it goes. I don't have a three-point finish because every time I've read this out, I've just stopped and gone, I can't go on from that. I have to just stop and thank him. So I'm just going to read this. This is actually from the conference that I was at. Talking of Jesus, it says, he is the vine from whom we live and draw our strength. We are the branches of the vine, the builders of his house, the proclaimers of his gospel. He is our identity, our purpose. Without him, we can do nothing. With him, all things are possible. Yet are we prepared to find our place in the body? We are sewn into the fabric of his plans. Will we resolve to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow him? A tapestry of grace hangs across the walls of time. The rich fabric displays the redemption story for all the sightless generations to see. Every fiber is woven by divine hands, but one glorious thread stands apart. 
a cord that runs from end to end, often veiled by the tangled mass of broken threads it holds together. Its strength emerges untainted in the center of his masterpiece. In bold letters it proclaims, God is my salvation. The designer's plan is revealed. A torn and sinless son stripped naked to clothe the ragged threadbare world for which he came. Stretched on the tenter hooks of the cross, his frame is rent to mend the human condition. Every thread it touches absorbs its arterial pulse and is at once freed. We are these threads, twisted together with him, colored by his extravagance and transformed by his sacrifice. We are forever dyed by his death and immersed into his life and service. Father God, there are no, there's no conclusion or sum up that I can muster that does you justice because I read poetic, creative words like that and I don't want to get distracted by linguistic techniques or powerful emotive language. I just want to fix my eyes on you and say thank you. I want to, I, I want to, and I pray for every single person here, that every single one of us would engage with you and go on this adventure of finding out, like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, have our eyes opened to the fullness of the story that which we're in, the fullness of the salvation, redemption story, that we wouldn't dismiss older passages as being irrelevant and well we're new covenant we're not old covenant we want to see you all the way through and that has an impact on me in a personal level because it means that you've been in charge and in control and you know what you're doing and have done all along that means that when I make a mistake it's not a surprise to you it's not beyond you because you've already done what you needed to do to resolve it. So Father God, I just, I choose to fix my attention on you right now and worship you because you alone are worthy. And I pray that over the coming weeks and months, revelation would come. Revelation would come in this place. New revelation would come from the old and the new. Because you actually want to open our eyes. But I pray that when we go from this place, we would walk with you and talk with you and inquire of you and go, I don't get this. Help me understand this. We wouldn't just dismiss it as that's too tough for me. And like the internal cabling, help us to see that this scarlet thread runs throughout. Even if it's not on the surface and we can't see it just with our natural eyes, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want to say and what you want to do. In Jesus' name. listening to this week's talk. Join us next week for another inspirational message.